0: Hello and welcome back to the SkyU Podcast by The Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, Fur. With me uh, this week is Andy, GopherGuy05.
1: I am here and hopefully we're all here for the duration.
0: (laughs) And you Street. Hey y'all. So um, I'm just going to admit this is like the third attempt at this we've had to do apparently if uh, I take a month and a half off or two months or three months or however long it's been since we did this. Uh, to podcast I suck at it and I can't run it and hopefully this whole thing goes better fingers crossed obviously I think the first thing we got to start with is hockey we have a hockey coach since we last uh, chatted uh, the Gophers back their way out of the NCAA tournament Uh, Don Lucia retired of sort of some sort of thing that's kind of like retiring maybe and uh, we hired away Bob Motzko from uh, St. Cloud State University to the chagrin of St. Cloud State Twitter. Andy, I'm just gonna let you start us off. What are your thoughts about everything that's gone down?
1: Well, it's definitely been interesting. I mean, I think uh, I think Lucia stepping down the writing was on the wall about you know towards the end of the season. and once they lost four games in a row to Penn State, um, you know, I think the pressure was on Mark Coyle to make a change. Um, and then once they got one out of 64 chance of being eliminated from the NCAA tournament, I think that really didn't give Mark Coyle any choice. Um, and so it came out pretty fast that, that that Donald G was going to be stepping away. And, yeah, retire with the inflection is sort of the, the, the thing. I think there was some genuine retirement stepping away in there uh especially if you listen to his his press conference um after he was let go I think that he generally sounded like he didn't want to be doing this all the time anymore um but I think Mark Coyle definitely sort of gave him that last nudge out the door
0: what so do you do you think do you think he's done do you think he's done entirely or do you think he's just done at Minnesota, he'll take a little time off and pop back up at a smaller D1 school?
1: No, I think he's done coaching entirely. He he sounded like he the, the, the excuse he basically made was, you know, I'm six, almost 60 years old, I don't want to be sitting in a rink in the middle of July watching 15-year-old Bantam players play anymore. <laughs> And uh, and so, and I think there's definitely some honest truth to that. And um, so I, I do think he's done. You know, he, he gets to work out his last year of his contract at the U next year. Um, he gets paid the full amount that he would have gotten paid if he was still the hockey coach. And he's going to be basically doing hockey-specific fundraising. Um, he said his main goal was basically trying to get the, the hockey-specific weight room uh, funding fixed at Mariucci because right now their weight room, compared to now the rest of the sports at the U after the new, um, new Athletes' Village has opened is actually pretty pathetic, especially when you compare it to some of the other Minnesota schools. Um, you know, UMD and St. Cloud's facilities, behind-the-scenes facilities, actually blow Minnesotas out of the water, not to mention what North Dakota has. So I think that's one of the main things he really wants to do is get get the funding in so they can get those facilities back up to where they need to be at, the, at a top-class level. Um but, you know, he stepped away and, and, and the search was on. I don't think anybody really had an idea which direction Mark Coyle was going to go. Lots of people had opinions. If you followed any of the message boards the last week, um, you realized that there really wasn't a name that was going to make anybody 100% happy. Um Lots of people were throwing up Mike Gensel's name saying, you know, he deserved a chance after, after sticking with an assistant for so long. But there's plenty of people who said, you know what, they didn't want anybody from the previous staff. They wanted a, a completely a, a clean sweep and wanted somebody new. Um, Motsko, of course, was an assistant for the Gophers from, uh, 2000-2005, so he was around for their last two titles, and I don't know if you've been following the the Gopher Hockey Twitter feed, they've been getting some quotes from several of his players, um, that he helped recruit, Jordan Leopold and Thomas Vanek being the, the primary ones I've seen so far. Um, so he definitely was known as a very good recruiter, uh, back when he was an assistant for Minnesota, and he's recruited well up to St. Cloud, so I think that definitely, uh, pulls well for the Gophers in the future. Um, you know, if I had to give it a grade, I'd give it a good solid B. I don't think Minnesota could have picked another guy who would have gotten, um, the general fall in line respect that it seems like most of the fans are doing. Um... You know They could have gotten some fresh blood from out east, but you would have had plenty, plenty of people complaining that you didn't pick a, a true Midwesterner, Minnesota guy who knows what he's doing. Moxco um, is from Minnesota, knows the area. Obviously, coaching at St. Cloud knows the recruiting aspects, So uh, he'll be able to fall in line pretty quick and get going and try and get the Gophers back up where they need to be.
0: Are you personally, I mean, you gave it a B. Are, are Do you feel that this was about the best hire they could have made? Or uh do you feel like they they I mean because that's basically my question like you give it a b but was there even an a out there on the board
1: in my opinion no there really wasn't um you know I I think I think Matsko is the best head coach hire they could have poached for many other schools I know a couple of other people wanted um Nate Lehman from Providence that was a name that was thrown out quite a bit um you know, he, he's a good coach, but he wouldn't have had any of the upper Midwest recruiting experience. Now, some people are saying maybe we needed to get away from that and try and just do something clean slate. But, uh, you know, you're still going to have to pull a bunch of kids from Minnesota. That's that's what this program's always been about. That's what it'll continue to be about. It's just getting the right kids from Minnesota. Um Lately, some of the best ones have ended up at St. Cloud and UMD rather than Minnesota. So I think that's the main thing that Matsko will have to do is make sure he can pull the right kids that he needs to, to bring in and run the type of team he wants to run. Um, but I don't think there was a, a, a Gopher alum that would have made everybody happy. Like I said, Gensel probably was the top of that list, but I think a lot of people were worried that he, you know, a lot of people were thinking that he could be his own man and make his own decisions, but a lot of people just wanted a clean break from, from what we had had. Um, some of the other names, Grant Patolny, I think, is a name that will be brought up again in five, six, seven, eight years when Motsko decides it's time for him to retire, because he's not a young man either. He's um, you know, 57, 58 years old. Uh, but, you know, he only has his one-year head coaching experience right now, so I think a lot of people thought he needed a little more seasoning before he got an opportunity at the job. And then everybody else would just sort of, uh, you know, had the experience of an assistant. Um, nobody else had, had that college hockey head coaching experience. So, no, I think, honestly, Motsko is the best coach they could make for the best, largest number of fans who will be happy, and uh, I think he'll do a pretty good job. It's just not going to be a instantaneous uh switch i think he's he's got a lot of work to do in the next 18 months or so to get this program back in the right direction
0: obviously a, a big part of doing that is he's going to have to hire some assistants who can help him help him out what do you kind of envision being the way the assistant coaching hires go uh obviously there was some alum booster angst that came into play last offseason um when when there was a uh assistant hire to be made do you see that coming into play again and and forcing Matsko to hire at least one alum um or closely tied to Minnesota assistant
1: yeah I'll pretty much guarantee that one of his two assistants when he names them will be a gopher alum I don't think there's any way he can not have a one gopher alum on staff um It'll be interesting to see. Mike Gibbons was his his head assistant up at St. Cloud. There's definitely been talk that he's going to try and see if he can get the uh, St. Cloud head coaching job now. So I think Matsko will at least wait for that process to to play out. And If he doesn't get the St. Cloud job, I think there's a fairly good chance that Matsko will look to bring him down as one of his two assistants. Um, But then the other one, like I said, I think will definitely be a, a former Gopher alum. Um, you know, I think in a in a pie in the sky world, he would try and convince Mike Gensel to stick around on the staff. I don't think that's going to happen. I think, I think Gensel just has too much, you know, heartbreak after not getting the job, and just wants a clean break and wants to do something else. So I don't think he'll stick around as an assistant um, with the guy who got the job he wanted. You'll um, be interested to see Scott Bell. He's getting paid for another year. Both Gensel and Bell are, are their contracts are guaranteed through next season. So is that an option to bring him back? That's a possibility. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see them go go a different route. Um, you know, one of the names that's it's sort of stuck in my head. Uh, former Gopher Trent Clatt. He was the head of Grand Rapids High School two years ago when they won the the AA state title, and he. Uh, he quit after that season, and he's back at the U getting his degree right now. I think he's scheduled to graduate this summer, so I, you know, that could be a, a, a sneaky little name to see if he might not be one of the one of the guys on the staff. But uh, you know, I think I, I think it'll be a gopher one way or the other. Um, another name I don't know if he has any real interest in coaching, but who uh, who Matsu coached when he was here at the U? I wouldn't uh, another player who's talked really a lot positively about Motskoli would be like a Keith Ballard. Um, you know, former Gopher who played with the Wild for a while and then and the NHL who's now retired and, and I think still living in the Twin Cities. So that would be another name that, you know, would be off the off the board a little bit, but it fits all the all the boxes. So um, I think we'll find out in the next week or 10 days or so who uh, who those assistants will be. But like I said, I think we have to wait for the, the St. Cloud job to play out first.
0: If there's one thing I think we can give the the Motsko a higher an A on, it would be the fact that St. Cloud State fans just don't know what to do with themselves. They are... Some of them are distraught. Some of them are angry. Frankly, it's been hilarious to watch it on Twitter because the freakout has just been... There, there are people who are St. Cloud fans who every single Minnesota hockey tweet... Uh, that came out from the official Twitter account that would say something like, Welcome back to Minnesota, Coach Matsko. Or, you know, any, anything that had Welcome to Minnesota, Cheers from Minnesota, any, anything with Minnesota would get consistent. You know St. Cloud is in Minnesota, right? Oh my God, it was, it was wonderful. Just absolutely wonderful. Um, which also leads me uh, back to Patolni because just before we started recording... Uh, Patolny, who is kind of a a hot name to end up at St. Cloud, if St. Cloud wanted to go out kind of outside the box a little bit, he uh, Andy is. You were saying he just got a big extension at Northern Michigan, did he not?
1: Yeah, it, uh, tweet tweet came across about a half hour ago from uh, from the one of the Northern Michigan writers up in Marquette that said uh, Patolny signed a brand new eight year contract with Northern Michigan, two hundred eighty five thousand dollars per year through twenty twenty six. Uh, that's about a ninety-five thousand dollar raise on what he was making. He was making, I think, about one ninety-five or one ninety-six last year at Northern, um, and that two eighty-five is a big number. I mean that puts that puts his contract on par with what Motzko was making at Saint Cloud or what Mike Hastings is making down in Mankato. So uh, that puts him in the top ten or twelve in the nation contract-wise. So I think it's fairly obvious to see that uh, Saint Cloud was snooping around and and. Uh, Northern decided to to make the investment to keep him up there for the future, which is, uh, you know, you have to make everybody chuckle a little bit that that St. Cloud tried to go get a gopher to after the Minnesota stole the Husky and uh, didn't quite work out while. So, um, yeah, you know, I think. I think everybody now, seeing how this plays out, has just assumed that, you know, is going to coach another six, seven, eight years, and then when he's done, Patolny is basically the coach-in-waiting to come in and take the job. Um, you know, obviously we'll see how the next few years play out. But that, assuming, you know, he stays up at Northern for the foreseeable future with this contract, I think that definitely is uh, all falling into line if that's how, how the Gophers want it to play out.
0: Yeah, it's interesting uh, to when we talk about Matzko and what might happen moving forward. Because honestly, this could be kind of a rough transition um, into a new head coaching uh, regime, given the losses that the Gophers have already sustained uh, with players heading off to heading off to the NHL. Uh, Casey Middlestead, obviously being the big one. Uh, Andy, what do you see as far as how the team is going to be affected by who's already left and who might be leaving?
1: Yeah, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Motzko is going to have, uh, ha- have a little work on his hands to try and, and get some uh, recruits back to campus. Uh, Casey Middlestat, the the Gophers' star freshman from Eden and Prairie, signed with the Buffalo Sabres on Monday. Um, he'll make his NHL debut with the Sabres tomorrow night, which is going to make him the 25th Gopher alum to play in the NHL this season, the most out of any college hockey team. <coughs> Don Lucia can't... Um, can't you know, recruit players and can't coach up players into the NHL. Oh, God. Um But, you know, I think having him gone, having Ryan Lindgren gone, who signed with the New York Rangers late last week, uh, arguably two Minnesota's two best players who will not be back next season. Moscow is going to have to get some more talent into the program. Now the Gophers have some some good kids lined up. Blake McLaughlin uh, from Grand Rapids is playing in the USHL this season. He'll come in as a freshman ne- next year. He'll have the potential to be a, an NHL first-round draft pick um, in June. Um, but they're going to have to find a, a defenseman or two. They're going to be hurting on the, on the defensive side next year for sure. And then Moscow's really got to hit the trail and get some freshman forwards ready to come in in two years because, assuming they don't leave, uh, sign a professional contract here in the next year, this summer, um, after next year, you're losing Tommy Novak, Brent Gates Jr., Tyler Sheehy, uh, maybe Rem Pitlick decides to go pro. So, you're losing a lot of offense on the front end after next season. So, Moscow's definitely got uh, a lot of uh, hard work ahead of them to try and get some recruits into this program and and get the Gophers back to where they need to go. But right now, next year might be a uh, tough road to hoe.
0: What kind of honeymoon do you think he gets if it gets rough?
1: You know, I think he gets. I think you have to give him at least two or three years. Um, you know, I, I I'm sure Gopher fans, or at least a portion of the Gopher fan base, will be you know, crawling down his throat already if the Gophers finish in the bottom half of the Big Ten again next year and and either struggle to barely make the NCAA tournament or don't make the NCAA tournament. But, I mean, looking at the talent base, um, and that's one of the reasons why a lot of fans wanted somebody else in there because they weren't pleased at what what, uh, Lucia and and Gensel and and those guys were doing, recruiting talent. Um, You know, I think it's going to take a little bit of time. Um, I think it'll be also an interesting thing for Minnesota fans to get used to and see how Motsko switches up his style. Um, you know, he's been quoted a couple of times as saying, you know, he finds the players that fit his system and they're not necessarily the best players. Um, saying that, you know, he didn't he didn't bother going into some of those high schools in the metro. Uh, when he was coaching at St. Cloud because he didn't want those, you know, flashy prima donna types. He wanted a more hardworking team. Um, You know, he didn't say names of any schools, but one of the names that everybody automatically brings up when he was talking about that is Edina. Um, and you notice that no Edina players have gone to St. Cloud in the recent future. They've basically all gone to Minnesota or Notre Dame or programs like that. So it'll be interesting to see exactly what Moscow's uh, recruiting philosophy is now as he takes over the Gopher program, which, you know, um, has had a tendency to go for some of those one-and-done or two-and-done players and, and things like that, which St. Cloud hasn't done nearly as much.
0: Yeah, he used grit or at least they, they had they had the word grit pretty prominently displayed in one of the uh, quotes uh, from him that they tweeted out today. So, you know, if you're somebody who likes grit, Moscos for you, I guess.
1: Yeah, and I think with his press conference, he's got his press conference at 1 o'clock on Thursday. I think a lot of people will be asking him about that, and we'll get a few more answers towards what his philosophy may be here in the future and, and let him talk about exactly what he's looking forward to. So, uh you know, I think it'll be interesting to hear that and see if uh, any of those grit or keywords like that pop out in, in what he says.
0: All right. Uh, I think we'll transition away from hockey simply because we've left uh, our dear friend U Street stranded out on an island, um, totally unable to share his inspired and deep hockey thoughts. Um, so maybe we should move it to basketball briefly. Uh, and by basketball, I mean bracket standings. Uh, I'm not in the T.G. bracket because I forgot because I had a bunch of work to do and just forgot to file my my bracket. Um, but that's probably good because in every other bracket at my office that I did turn in, I'm getting my ass kicked, and I'm sure I would be in last place. Um, how are you feeling about your performance this year in the bracket challenge, uh, Street?
2: Well, honestly depressed because this year I won't win it, which will make a change from previous years. I uh, currently go got five, Andy and I are tied for seventeenth in the standings out of twenty seven. Though Andy still has possible points and I am sitting on nothing. The current leader in the T D G bracket challenge is Zach whose bracket, my outstanding bracket, currently has 74 points. However, Zach's outstanding bracket thought Arizona was going to win the national championship, which was not an outstanding pick. Consequently, uh, Aaron, whose bracket entitled Where's Minnesota? question mark, presumably both ironic not only for the Gophers' performance, but also Americans' knowledge of geography, has the best chance from an overall points perspective for 135. So it's probably, probably gonna be Aaron, if we're gonna be honest here. Though uh, the third place, Samuel G, whose bracket, Samuel G's splendid bracket, is currently sitting in third, also has Villanova. So the winner of the Villanova Kansas game, I think, will probably actually determine your winner, unless something magical happens and Lola Chicago wins the national championship. Sister Jean represent.
0: I'd like to let Samuel G. know, if you're a listener of the podcast, that you should have gone with Samuel G.'s, uh, what, what, what was it, how, how, did, how did he phrase it again? Because I, I had something in mind that was a little better.
2: Samuel G.'s Splendid Bracket.
0: Ah, Samuel G.'s Splendid Selections. Go for the alliteration every time, my friend. That's, that's how you win friends and convince enemies to be your friends, is alliteration.
2: Also, we should shout out Gopher Nation, our fearless leader, whose bracket I assume is Gangelhoff's finest, unless he classically did not fill out a bracket in his own bracket challenge. But assuming he did, Tom, once again, is uh, running in the bottom third of the bracket. This time, he will finish on 49 points. He also had Virginia in as his national champion.
0: Well, I'm not going to mock anybody for that because I, to distinguish myself from all the people around here who are picking Villanova or Xavier or anything, Big East focused, uh, I went with Michigan State just because why the hell not? Well, that's why the hell not. Michigan State doesn't do those things anymore. They lose badly. So, my bracket, it's terrible.
2: There was another there was another there was another bracket that was going on in March, which was the women's bracket. And the University of Women's Basketball team was in it, won one game against the University of Wisconsin Green Bay before playing an actually good basketball team in the University of Oregon. And whoo boy was that a massacre.
0: Yeah, but Oregon like is really good.
2: Yes, Oregon is really good. I think one of the things that you take away from the University of Minnesota-Oregon game is precisely just how much of a difference there is between a basketball team that is okay and a basketball team that is good. Oregon lost to Notre Dame in the Elite Eight. Notre Dame is the is the Final Four. They will play Connecticut in what presumably will probably be the national championship because Connecticut will probably win the national championship again. I should briefly note here, because... The lovely thing about the women's bracket is there are a large number of people who never watch a college women's basketball game, and then during March pontificate about how terrible the women's basketball game is because UConn wins all the time. Alternatively, there are a large number of people who also probably do not watch women's college sports on a regular basis, who talk about how incredibly offensive and awful this take is, and women's basketball is great to watch, and it's just basketball like anything else. Those people also frequently tend to not actually watch women's basketball, and I know this because we know what the ratings are for uh, for women's basketball games. Both of these takes are wrong. This is my nuclear hot take for the day. Both of these takes are wrong. The actual problem that exists in women's college basketball is the same problem that existed in men's college basketball about 40 years ago, which is that the game is more popular than ever, which is fantastic. There is a larger talent pool, also fantastic. However, there is not yet such a large talent pool that it equalizes in the same way. And as a consequence of this... It's not that, like, blue blood teams are somehow absent in men's basketball. Kansas is in the Final Four. Michigan is in the Final Four. Villanova is in the Final Four. Most people were expecting Virginia, North Carolina, Duke, etc. to be in the Final Four. So that's not the problem. The problem is that year in and year out, which one of those teams is likely to be the favorite tends to swap. And that isn't as often true in women's basketball. It is changing, which is exciting. But we're probably about 15 years beyond when that's actually going to be a thing on the regular. That no matter what, you're going to see large swings each year. And one of those programs is going to go on a big downswing. Which is the testament to UConn and their ability to continue to put out superior products year in and year out. One of the things that you saw when Oregon played Minnesota is this in action. In that Oregon, Sabrina Inescu, who is incredible, had one player who was just so obviously better than every other player on Minnesota's team, or Oregon's team for that matter. And on Minnesota's team was an honorable mention All-American, multiple All-Region players, multiple All-Big Ten players. This does not mean that the product that you are watching is bad. Frequently, the product that you are watching is very good. However, and this kind of gets back to the reason why the other side of this is wrong. They're not wrong in that the people who get out and say like watching women, like anyone who says women's basketball is terrible because of UConn probably has some latent sexism going on. That's probably true in some sense. What they're wrong about is that they're comparing it to like, well, everyone watched Loyola Chicago play Kansas State. As Tom mentioned in Slack like a week or two ago, if Kansas State and Loyola were playing in November, ain't nobody watching that basketball game.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely not watching that basketball game.
2: They're watching it because the product that they are watching is a product that people think is compelling and interesting. And there's been frequent criticism of, especially as we've seen more upsets in the tournament, of the product at the end being awful, like legitimately horrible games. And that is not going to change. What does change is that there is an embedded nature of people who just like watching the men's tournament. It would be nice if there was a similar level of embedded things to watch the women's tournament. However, that said, watching UConn play South Carolina, a team that is very, very good, and beating them 94-65 to tells you, one, that UConn team is going to roll, and two, that that's not actually a very fun game to watch. Blowouts are not fun to watch. And as long as a team continues to blow other teams out, that product will eventually become less interesting, not because of who is on the floor, not because of the gender of the players on the floor, but because blowouts are not inherently very interesting. It is unfair, though, to equally say, oh, I don't like watching women's basketball, when you could have watched the University of Minnesota play the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay, which was actually quite a fun game of basketball to watch, precisely because Minnesota had to go on this very big comeback in the fourth quarter, take control of that game, and you saw major changes happening. All of which is to say, if you're one of the people who's like, oh, the problem with women's basketball is that UConn wins a lot of times, please never speak again. If you're one of the people who only seems to defend women's basketball when you're criticizing the first individual, also never speak again. For both of your individuals, watch some more women's basketball. Probably don't watch the Gophers next year because they're going to be miserably bad because they have no inside presence. But, like, watch some women's basketball.
0: So my summary of what you said at the end was Twitter needs to turn into uh, Rate Good Dogs and that's about it because you've taken away quite a a bit of Twitter discourse there.
2: I'm totally fine just removing a lot of Twitter discourse. I had had the displeasure of listening to K-Fan yesterday. When they were talking why? about this, I so it's a long story that involves boring car radios. Suffice it to say, you had a similar take like this, which is a lot of, like, if you don't like watching the product that currently is women's college basketball, like, that's fine. This is America. You have choices. What's really boring is to be like, well, I'm now going to give an uninformed take about why other people don't enjoy watching this. Like, just say you don't really enjoy watching it And, like, don't make a big deal of it Or better yet, don't even say you don't really enjoy watching it Just don't enjoy watching it And keep quiet about that
0: uh, I thought this was America That's all I can That's all I hear in my head right now Alright uh, By the way, uh, why are we going to be bad next year? Terrible inside post presence Do explain
2: <laughs> that, that requires us We don't have an inside post presence year and by we i mean all of us because we've now apparently signed up for the women's college for the university of Women, minnesota women's college basketball team uh there is no post presence next year taya Bello potentially will give you some offensive rebounds but she's not a major scoring threat and she's kind of it they're bringing in a 6-2 freshman who may be able to provide something but it seems from watching her highlight film and looking at evaluations caring is creepy that you're looking at more of a stretch player so you're not looking at someone who can really defend the post inside. And the, on top of it, it's not like between this year and next year, Marlene Stallings and her staff are going to learn how to coach defense. So you're going to see four-guard looks that are going to try and score a lot of points. that are going to rely very heavily on hitting a lot of three-pointers that will likely not do that particularly efficiently and will have strong difficulty defending any team with any inside game whatsoever. And in women's basketball especially, because you're not looking at the same height, this means that you can see a lot more three-pointers going up, and it's a lot harder to be a rim protector. So if you don't have anyone on the inside, and the other team does, you are at an extreme disadvantage. That's not going away unless you start getting much taller women across the board. The University of Minnesota will have some tall players. I don't think any of them are going to be particularly good. And I do not think that the coaching staff is very good at coaching defense, which is not dissimilar from the men's team. But it does mean that they're probably going to be kind of bad next year.
0: So book your final four tickets now. You yeah, oh, first. for sure.
2: For sure. But probably to watch UConn.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, hey, it's football time, actually. We managed to – I'm proud of us. We managed to go uh, 30 minutes into this podcast and not talk about football yet, which – I mean, hey, yay hockey news. Um, spring football is here. Uh, the big news today, there is going to be an actual spring game. Not a practice in a spring game slot with a little bit of a scrimmage at the end, but a legitimate spring game. Uh, and then there, it sounds like there's going to be some other fun things going with it. Um, I wasn't watching Twitter after the announcement of the spring game. I just, Other than that, there was one. But Andy, I believe you were. Can you break down some of the other kind of cool things they're going to try to do this year?
1: Yeah, I think they're, you know, they're trying to give it a little bit more of a, uh, you know, as you said, a game feel and a bit more of a sort of rivalry feel. Uh, P.J. Fleck and the, and the Gopher uh, football Twitter released a video tonight basically hyping it up. Basically, they're they're going to divide into two teams. Uh, the gold team is going to be um, coached by uh, Kirk Shiraka and his captain is going to be, or no, sorry, gold team is, is, uh, Smith, defensive coordinator, and, and Rodney Smith is going to be the captain. The Maroon team is going to be Kirk Shiraka and Thomas Barber is going to be the captain. Um, and basically it sounds like what they're going to do is they're going to have a, a draft. Basically Barber and, and and Rodney Smith are going to, are going to pick teams uh, behind the scenes next week, and then they're going to release the rosters, Team Gold, Team Maroon, and they want to encourage fans to, to come to the Come to the spring game dressed in maroon if you want to root for Team Maroon, or dressed in gold if you're going to root for Team Gold, depending upon who uh, what players end up on which side of the roster, and it's kind of a good way to you know get a little bit more attention and get a little more hype going into the game, which is uh, you know never never a bad thing. So uh, I think it'll be sort of fun to to see how they divvy up the divvy up the squads and how they go at it.
0: I love the apparel idea. My only concern is that there's not enough good. Gold apparel out there, and so by default, Team Maroon is going to have like 80% of the fans. That's my expectation. Like, it won't even be because people are that worried about it. It's going to be because my favorite shirt's in maroon, so that's what I'm wearing.
1: That's probably true.
0: Bring your oars. They're doing the paint up in ore and bring your oars again. It's unclear to me if this is a entirely because I don't you may or may not have seen photos of it but in the tunnel that the team walks down from the locker room uh, to get to the field uh, for games uh, they have all those oars hung on the wall uh, it's, it's actually really cool um, it's unclear to me if they're adding to that or if they're replacing last year's oars with the new oars but you should paint up an oar bring it it will end up somewhere probably you know somewhere in that tunnel because uh, i'm guessing that's going to be their new tradition um and uh you can have a little piece of of gopher football you can bring a little piece to gopher football that becomes part of the uh the game day environment so definitely do that is there something else i'm forgetting of uh, besides you know kids have their little kid zone and all that jazz All right. By the silence, I'm going to go with I am not forgetting anything.
1: No, I I just am having button issues. Um, it does look like they're going to have a fan fest out there, and they're going to have free some free food for um for the fans to you know I'm assuming it's just going to be hot dogs and brats and stuff like that. But uh, free food out there before the uh, before the game. I think from 11 to 12 and and things like that. I know there are a couple of tailgates too. I've seen on Facebook the. Uh, the fan advisory committee is having a tailgate in the maroon lot uh, prior to the game that they're providing all the food. It's free. I think you just need to search for it on Facebook and RSVP. They want an RSVP to see how many people are going to show up, but um, an actual, you know, tailgate with members of the fan advisory committee. So you can and hang out with them and, uh, you know, swap some ideas on what you'd like to see and then sort of take back to, to Mark Coyle and, and the rest of the group for different either activities or, or things like that to sort of make the game day experience a little more exciting.
0: Yeah. I was really excited to see that actually. Um, Cause I think there, there's been a number, uh, it seems like there's been some, some real interest in, in expanding that group to, to get, you know, the opinions of the wider fan base. Um, I think there's probably a pretty good cross section of the wider fan base in that group, but I think it's really neat that they're reaching out and setting that up to, to make that happen. So, definitely check that out there is no TDG tailgate Um, don't hassle us about it we have you know children and some of us are in Cincinnati with people who are very distraught about Xavier in UC oh Chris Mack seriously every Xavier fan I have in my office is on like suicide watch right now because of Chris Mack leaving so that's why I'm not there I'm consoling all of them that's why I can't be at the spring game
2: I I went to the I went to the first open spring practice. It's my first football practice in a very long time. I had a couple of thoughts, and really only two. The first one that is never really given a whole lot of credit is the sheer logistical support that is required to run a practice at a Power 5 school. There are 100 plus, so 100 and some change members of the University of Minnesota football team, it's a bit smaller for spring practice because obviously the seniors who have graduated are not participating. I would say that there is probably one logistical support person for every three players on the team. And they are constantly moving. They're running all over the place. They're moving footballs around. There's the equipment manager who always has to go for flag, who's going places. And what this ends up meaning is that Someone blows an air horn, Fleck yells something in terms of moving from drill to drill, and the team just moves without any stop. And the only way that's possible is with all that logistical support staff. So they probably don't get enough credit. They should get more credit. That's the first thing. The second thing is Daniel Fa'olele is freaking huge. <laughs> like, holy crap. Daniel Alele is next to like all the other offensive linemen, who are all huge men. Like the, average, the average height weight profile of the University of Minnesota uh, offensive now, I think, is like 6'4", 6'5", and around 300 pounds. And Daniel Falalele makes most of them look small. And the ones that are like, also really big, he makes look kind of small.
0: So my question was going to be, having you know, spent time around me, how small am I going to feel if I ever stand next to this dude?
2: Hilariously small. And you're because the same Because I'm gonna
0: height. be base, because I'll be basically the same height as him.
2: But I'm yeah. just gonna
0: like but I'm just gonna walk up to him and just feel like he's gonna crush me.
2: Yeah. I mean it's it's very clear it's very clear that in an ideal world he redshirts. And he redshirts because he's still learning the game, so he has a lot of so he likely has a lot of things that he still needs to learn there. The other reason it would be helpful for him to redshirt is so he can spend a year just doing a hardcore strength and conditioning program and not have to worry about game condition so just being a, a being a practice rep situation and then just getting just getting strong because once he goes through a year or two of that he is he's he's a big big dude and if he has a nasty streak which he seems to have on the football field I'm not going to go so far as to say he's going to be like Orlando Pace because if nothing else I think they actually might see him as a guard but he should just straight decimate people on a regular basis if he learns the technique. He is so unbelievably big to be able to and would be able to do that. He makes he makes you look like me. I'm excited for
0: football. Giant dudes hitting each other. Let's hurry up and get there. We don't need an off season. Let's go. <laughs>
1: Now if we can just find somebody who can consistently throw the ball to our members on our team.
2: Hush. It's going to happen. Tanner Morgan was starting with the ones. I, I and everyone else expect Vic Veramontes to be our starting quarterback. But Morgan looked reasonable. In an ideal world, both of them can play. And Vera, one of them, I don't care who, but it seems likely it'll be Veramontes, wins the job outright and that way you have two players so you can actually run an offense with reasonable reckless abandon and not be as concerned as you were last year that if one of your quarterbacks goes down or one of your quarterbacks like hits a door that the other quarterback's offense is going to have to be fundamentally different.
0: I uh, One of my friends in Northern Kentucky actually um, knows Tanner's mom pretty well so I, I, I get constantly questioned about is Tanner going to play? like is you know basically I, yeah he, he's always interested in knowing about Tanner so I think it would be kind of cool if Tanner's able to to do a little something obviously I don't I, w- I want whoever's the best for the team to be out there but uh, it would be kind of cool just to be able to there's a there's a cheering section of Northern Kentucky for Tanner that I get to experience so that's kind of it's kind of neat for me to have some Minnesota connections also also connected to Minnesota my new apartment manager. Uh, is the cousin of Brian Cupido,
1: hmm.
0: so a little little claim, little claim to fame. She was extremely excited to see me wearing uh, Minnesota gear the first time she met me, and then uh, she asked if I uh, remembered Brian Cupido. And then I, because I'm obsessive about the Gophers, went into like a three minute conversation or uh, rant for myself about how I feel Brian Cupido was undervalued by the Minnesota fan base and was actually a pretty efficient quarterback. And should have been better recognized for his uh, successes. And all she could do was look at me and go, "We're going to get
2: along." The other thing that we should mention that is occurring in the spring is that the women's gymnastics program did some rather historic things in the last week.
0: Andy, you got to unmute yourself again.
1: And there, yes, no, I was working on that. My my finger on the button is a little slow today. I apologize. Anyways, to get back to, you know, not criticizing myself on how I think. Yeah, uh, the Gopher Gymnastics team, the the team overall is not as good as they were a couple years ago, Um, if anybody paid attention, which, let's be honest, the percentage of people listening to this who did, remembers a couple years ago they actually ended up making the uh, NCAA Finals as a team. Um, They're they're currently ranked 24th, and they will host a uh, NCAA Regional, um, not not Easter weekend, not this upcoming weekend, but the weekend after at the PAV. Um, number one, Oklahoma, um, who, by the way, features uh, Maggie Nichols, who, if again, if you pay any to gymnastics, she's from Little Canada and was the last cut off of the uh, gold-winning U.S. Olympic team in 2016. Um, she's the one of the top gymnasts for Oklahoma, so she'll be uh, at the PAV uh, trying to qualify for the NCAA Finals, but... Um, Minnesota has a couple uh, high-quality gymnasts of their own, uh, starting with uh, Lexi Rambler. She's from St. Michael, uh, so, you know, another Minnesota native. She was named the Big Ten Freshman of the Year earlier this week, uh, and then today she was named first-team All-American on the balance beam and second-team All-American on the uneven bars and in the all-around. I think uh, I saw a stat that she's one of the first Gopher freshmen to be named an All-American in a very long time, if not ever. Um and then Ivy Liu, who's a senior, um, she was named a first-team All-American on the uneven bars. She currently is the number two-ranked athlete in the bars going into the NCAA regionals and then finals. So barring barring something weird happening, she should be trying to compete for an NCAA title in uh, St. Louis here in a month at uh, the final NCAA meet. So that would be really impressive if the Gophers could try and uh, have one or two individual members to try and win a, a individual NCAA tournament, uh, title in, in gymnastics. Is there,
0: is, is there any shot that the team makes, you know, the NCAA finals as a team, or is it basically just, you know, at this point you get ready and get excited for the standout individuals to do their thing?
1: I mean, it would take an upset of pretty epic proportions. Basically the way the regionals work is there's six teams that compete, um, I can't remember exactly who... I know Iowa, Iowa State, Minnesota, Oklahoma, and there's two other top-ranked teams ahead of Minnesota. Um, But only the top two teams that end up performing at that meet will move on to the NCAA Finals. So number one, Oklahoma, pretty much has a berth racked up already, and then it's, like I said, the 24th-ranked Gophers, and then I think there's the 7th or 8th-ranked team in the country and, like, the 16th-ranked team in the country, who I'm blanking completely on who they are right now. But they're also competing, so... So there's a chance, but it would take basically all the Gophers having the meat of their lives and a couple of the other highly ranked teams sort of faltering, because I don't think there's any way possible that uh, anybody's going to beat Oklahoma. So there's only really one more spot available out of those three or four teams to to make the national finals.
0: Good to know. Um, Realized Pro Day, meant to have us talk Pro Day. Uh, I guess... I mean, it doesn't really matter since Pro Day probably isn't going to result in a lot of exciting news for the Gopher seniors this year, Uh, but it did result in in, uh, an exciting question for question time uh, from our very own wide speed receiver on Slack today. Uh, Could either of you, because I'm automatically exempting myself because the answer to this question for me is no, could either of you guys uh, complete at least one rep on the 225 bench press as part of a Pro Day?
1: I'll just jump in first and also say no. Uh, As of right now, no chance. If I had a 10-week ramp-up to it, I'd still say no chance. My upper body is so weak, it's kind of embarrassing. So the answer is no.
2: If you had me do that tomorrow, the answer would be no, though I can bench more than Kevin Durant could bench at the Combine. If you gave me 12 weeks, so like a ramp-up period, I could get three. I think. Two to three. Which would still be pretty terrible
0: so in whatever you would consider to be your prime i mean you can define that however you want in your prime what combine event do you think you would have been done the best at not been great at or anything but like you personally which one do you think you would have performed the best at in your
2: prime a three cone unquestionably the 40, I don't have any top-line speed, so that's that's a no-go. Plus, my thoughts are well-known about whether or not the 40 should be a thing. In my prime, the bench still would not have been tremendously good. Vertical jump would have been like, okay. But I feel like I had enough agility and enough initial quickness to make the three-cone. So that would probably be my pick. Andy? Uh, it's got to be the muscle pull. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, um. I, I, I've never been fast. I've never been able to get about more than eight inches off the ground. And you know, maybe in my prime I could do one or two reps of two twenty five. Maybe. But I'm pretty sure I'd probably tear a pack like Billy Price before I'd even get up to that weight. So Yeah. I I'm just gonna go with the muscle pull.
0: Yeah. In in my absolute prime when I was working out I I shit you not, like five hours a day, uh, five days a week for D3 basketball, I would have sucked at every single... Because all that's based on... like It's designed to, at its core, measure, in many ways, athleticism. And one of the many gifts I was not granted in my life was anything resembling athleticism. I mean, I guess I'd say 3-cone would be my best, only because everything else would be terrible. But yeah, it, it... yeah, I could only I could only wish for a wish for a fraction of the athleticism the combine has. You know,
1: it depends on when you're considering your prime is too, because I'll tell you one thing: I could probably do one hell of a broad jump back when I was like ten. So if we're considering <laughs> that my prime, then I'll I'll go with the broad jump.
0: Back when you were owning the president's uh, council on physical fitness challenges at your elementary school
1: uh yeah no I failed that too miserably but you know at least back then I was tall enough and had a little bit more athletic ability at that age group as opposed to being you know the fat lazy slob that I got as I got older so we' we'll, we'll go with we'll go with we'll go with the 10 year old broad jump
0: yeah I, I gotta say I, I will never make fun of Casey middlestad for his pull-up issues because those were the bane of my existence in the presidential presidential physical fitness challenge I hated the pull-ups Hated. Terrible. It was embarrassing. Made me feel made me feel weak all the time. Well, I mean, I, I got nothing else, guys. Uh, this was a mostly successful return to the SkyU podcast, other than the fact that it took us 45 minutes to figure out my technical issues, and Andy doesn't know how to use a mute button. Uh, but, uh, Alex, you've been exempted. You didn't do anything especially horrible technical-wise. Good for you.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
0: I thought you'd be more excited. You, you could have lured that over us.
2: Nah, I mean, until the thing actually comes out, I'm just going to assume it's going to be a technical failure.
0: <laughs> well, it is going back into my hands now to do editing, and so, you know, we'll see if I still know what how that works. Um, the
1: the, the, deep, the deep dark cavern that is your computer where some podcasts never come back out to see the light of day?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they occasionally get memory hold or job a hold. Well, that's not terrible. Um, <laughs> that, all right, so the English language is also not something that I apparently possess in strong quantities right now. So, on that note, we're going to end this edition of the Skyu Podcast. Thank you to everybody who is listening. Again, we hope to keep this uh, as a semi-regular thing in the off season. Yes, the terrible basketball season sort of sucked the joy out of us. We will gain it back. We will bring off-topic fun things about beer or I don't know. Do we just start with The Bachelor? Does The Bachelor happen in the summer? I don't know. If it does, maybe we'll talk about it. But in any case, uh, look forward to more better edited podcasts coming again. Uh, In the meantime, go Gophers. Skyuma, row the boat.